Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, and thank you for calling Blog Talk Radio. Thank you for dealing with us for the past week in regards to our studio issues. But aside from that, today we are going live to talk with our co-host, Michael, about everything Chicago Bears. Good morning, Mike. How are you? I'm doing fine. Uh, I started my Labor Day weekend out right and uh, continuing it with some talking about some football. Only four days left before football season officially begins, and I'm ready. I know everything Bears is all over your house, so I figured this would be the perfect weekend for Labor Day for us to bear down for all of our dedicated Chicago Bears fans out there. So I do want to start with a few questions, and I want to open up the show with what's been buzzing on Twitter, on a lot of the Bears feeds, on Facebook, and very different chat rooms. And it's about the cut list that the Bears recently produced yesterday. And I want your thoughts on some of the players that they've decided to keep, as well as a few players that they've let go. Well, first off, at first glance, the main thing that everyone will notice is we kept a lot of rookies. The Bears are going young, which is a good thing for more than one reason. One, we had people that are getting a little long in the tooth, but two, we appear to be trying to build a team for the future. The other thing that I noticed, and a ton of Bears fans are happy about this, Jamarcus Webb is gone. Him and his J-Webb Nation and his J-Webb Nation on his Twitter feed, he seemed like he was more worried about tweeting than he was about being a good offensive lineman. He had the body Mm. for it, he had the talent for it, but no work ethic for it. Uh, you so are you happy backs. with that decision? Oh, I'm ecstatic with that decision. Uh, <laughs> I literally love all of our, our linemen. I mean, don't get me wrong, they're not Orlando Pace in his best years, but mm-hmm. what they are are players that want to learn and that want to be there. Let's look at Kyle Long. Um, I love the pedigree that he comes from. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, if he's half as good as his father, uh, the Bears will be in good shape. Yeah. I do. I will agree with that. I, I will mean, agree with that. Now, also, in, in mentioning that, in mentioning the, the Jake Webb Nation has, will now be moving on to another team, something else that came to my attention is looking at the the quarterback situation for the Bears with them having just two QBs. What are your thoughts on that for this upcoming season? My thoughts on that is I wouldn't care about us having just two QBs if I felt like our second QB could come in the game. It's it's something that's plaguing the league uh, where a lot of teams' second QB is not really that good because they don't plan to ever really use them to begin with. But then there are also other teams who the second QB is just as good as the first QB so they're not having a major drop-off. If Jay Cutler goes down, 
are do we does anyone believe Josh McCown can keep it moving? No. Josh McCown is a decent guy. Don't get me wrong. He's a very studied <laughs> guy. Yes. Yeah. He was a high school football coach, so he understands the game. But literally, a few years ago, when Jay Cutler went down for the season, oh, it was over with. We had tried to hold it up when Matt Forte went down, but when Jay Cutler went down, uh, the Bears couldn't survive. Our receivers and our tight ends, for that matter, are built for someone with an arm, someone that can force the ball in there. I'm not saying Jay Cutler should always force the ball in there, but the players we have are built so that the ball can be thrown and thrown at a high pace. It's built for an athletic quarterback. And the few things that they did show us in the preseason, yeah, I'm not too confident that if Jay Cutler went down, we would do anything. I really wished that we could have kept, uh, what's his name, Jason, uh, what's his name, former Redskins quarterback, former Raiders quarterback, okay. now. Raiders fans. Uh, but literally, I am not confident in our second quarterback. So, honestly, we could have kept one quarterback. It would have been the same as if we kept three. <laughs> we don't have a second quarterback. Uh, that's wow. Putting it bluntly, I love. So if you had a chance, if you had a chance for the Bears to get a backup quarterback, and a backup quarterback would have been available, who do you think would have been a good fit for this team if Jay Cutler goes down again? A good backup. Hmm. See, that's the problem. I think Matt Leinart would have been a good backup for Jay Cutler. Uh, some real plays, they both like to roll out. Uh, I think, uh, see, Carson Palmer still wants to be a starting quarterback, so that wouldn't have been an option. Um, mm -hmm. But Matt Leiner jumps to mind. Uh, Matt Flynn would have been a good uh, backup quarterback. I think uh, when it comes to backup quarterbacks, I want someone that could start but isn't a starter, if you get my point. I don't want someone that the moment Jay Cutler throws an interception that Bears fans are screaming for the backup quarterback. <laughs> I personally hate that. Your quarterback okay. is going to throw an interception or two. I just kind of felt like they could have gone after there. There was a little bit of talent out there for a little bit, and I just wondered what their game plan was and what their thoughts were on holding on to Josh McCown. Because we've seen enough. in the last, we've we've seen you know the injuries that have come up, especially the O line that that Jay Cutler's had, and we've seen him injured, especially as we get close to wrapping up the regular season, and I was just shocked, and I just was thinking, oh, my God, Bears fans, is this who you really want to have to pick up the slack if Jay Cutler can't finish the season again? I think a, a perfect, absolute perfect backup QB that the Bears could have gotten is still in our division. He's the backup to Aaron Rodgers, Vince Young. They, they virtually play the same game. Yeah, well, the Packers. The Packers probably thought the same thing, so they went ahead and um, 
They were right. animated out of reality. So they were kind of thinking along your mindset. So I do have another question for you. With all the cuts that we've seen and with watching the Bears get down to a 53-man roster, what are your thoughts on Devin Hester? I mean, he's now returning to be he's going to be a full-time special teams player. Do you think the Bears keeping Devin Hester was sort of a waste of a roster spot for someone that they could have kept that they had to cut? The answer to that question is not a yes or a no. Because, first of all, you don't cut the all-time greatest returner of all time. You don't cut that person. You keep that person. But literally there are probably other positions that we could have kept. Now, one of the things that one could say is Devin Hester is holding on to that third quarterback position or he's holding on to that third, uh, that uh, next linebacker. But I personally like that Devin Hester is back to being a full-time specialist because the reality is if if he's going to be what he believes he is, which is a Hall of Famer from that position, it's time for him to show that he deserves to be this year. And then also when you keep it in mind, he's not a huge cap hit to the Bears' uh, salary cap. Now, he might be a a large cap hit just when you consider he's only being a specialist, but he's not overall a large cap hit. So I think it was a smart decision. I think Devin Hester is going to enjoy being a special teams player like he did when he was a rookie and in his second season. So he's got a renewed sense of urgency, whether he's playing for the Bears next year or not. This is his audition to stay with the Bears or go to another team. And speaking and sometimes on that, that audition. Go ahead. Go ahead. Listen, no, sometimes an audition is all the motivation that a player needs. Well, speaking on that, we're talking about about a new sense sense of urgency. I now want to kind of segue over into Brian Urlacher's recent comments when he feels that the Bears' defense might be better without him, and it's because we're going to see that that rush again, that defensive rush and passion, almost like the defense has something to prove. What are your thoughts on the defense now without Brian Urlacher and how you feel they'll look this season? Okay, first off, the Bears are going to miss Brian Urlacher, and they're not going to miss him. He is slow at this point in his career. So when he retired, no team really wanted to pay him more than $2 million, $3 million. Um, so Brian Urlacher is slow. Jonathan Bostic is coming off that ball and trying to crush everybody. Yeah. Yes. He's trying yes. to crush everybody. Where we will miss Brian Urlacher is Brian Urlacher could read offenses better than most uh, linebackers in the NFL. Only two people that I would compare to Brian Urlacher, and actually one, is is Ray Lewis. They could, by the time they were in the back end of their careers, they could still read defenses. I mean, excuse me, read offenses and put their their players in the right position. 
well, I can't run this fast to that guy, so I'm going to stand right here because this is where he's coming. They will miss that. Now, as far as the defense, the other players, they're playing with a chip on their shoulder. They are mad at Bears management. You all fired who we wanted. We liked our defensive coordinator. We liked our defensive-minded head coach. So they're going out there to prove we should be getting what we want. A renewed sense of energy sometimes you won't even recognize who is out there. People forget sure. The people forget the Bears already the Bears already had four Pro Bowlers last season: Julius Peppers, Tim Jennings, Peanut Tillman, and Lance Briggs. Are you going to tell me that with those four players, because none of them are about to take a drop off, that that the rest of the team will, will come out there and be lackadaisical? Lance Briggs is not going to have that. Lance Briggs is like, look, you all are out here playing with me. Peanut Tillman, he may look happy-go-lucky when he's on the sidelines, but he's coming for that ball. He is coming for that ball. (laughs) Tim Jennings, make a stupid pass. He will intercept it. I mean, people talk about Richard Sherman and Darrell Revis. The Bears do something better the Bears secondary does something better than I think any other secondary wishes they could do. They capitalize on mistakes better than any other, uh, better than any other secondary, I believe. Now, now are you saying any other direct, secondary in the league or just the NFC North division? The league. Literally, what I believe the Bears do is they let the other teams make a mistake and then they take the ball from you. Or sometimes they force a mistake and take the ball from you. Now, what the other teams are great at, perfect example is the Seattle Seahawks. They put you in a position to where you better run the ball because you're not going to throw it in their direction. Same thing with Darrell Grievous. You're not throwing that ball in, in the area of Revis Island. The Bears, people believe that the Bears' uh, secondary is beatable. And then the Bears say, yeah, keep throwing in my direction. Tim Jennings will intercept the ball. Uh, Peanut Tillman will let you catch the ball, and then he will take it from you after you thought you caught it. So the Bears is a very opportunistic defense. And when we went out there for uh, practice in Bourbon A, you saw a, a level of, this is our turn. People don't believe the Bears can do it, but we're going to do it. I mean, literally, the excitement you see in in the players' faces, even on the sidelines. I'm I'm excited to see what Julius Peppers is going to do to somebody. He's like, yeah, Shane McClellan, uh, you might be an athlete, but this is still my position. You feel like the Bears are going all the way, or do you feel like they will be on top of the division? See, that is something that I'm afraid of. The Bears could end up going 12-4 and four or 6-10, and 10, and we won't know right away. I mean, excuse me. We will know right away within the first four games if they're going to be that good or that bad. And I won't be surpri- I will be surprised if they win the division, but I won't be shocked if that makes any sense whatsoever. 
Because literally, yeah, there's, there's a couple threats to look out for in the NFC North. This, this is going to yeah, be a, a pretty good battle this season. In the NFC North, I personally believe any one of the teams could win a division. Uh, my pick right now is a toss-up between the Lions and the Packers. If I were to just pick, my heart was to go with the Bears, and I believe the Bears have the ability to do it. I think the Vikings and the Bears arguably are going to be fighting for that third spot. I believe the Vikings, I think the Lions have a chip on their shoulder. Last year made them look bad, and they came back. they're coming back ready. They don't want to look like idiots. They have arguably the best defensive line in the division. Uh, I personally believe the Bears have the best defensive line with Julius Peppers and Henry Melton, but that can be an argument that can be had with Nick Fairley and and Dominican Sue. So no one knows, but we will know in the first four games with the Bears because their first four games are not easy ones. They have week one, the Bengals, week two, the Vikings, week three, the Steelers, and week four, the Lions. And looking behind that, you have the Saints and the Giants and the Redskins. Yeah, the Bears come out and they're opening pretty heavy. Yeah. And behind that, then they have the Packers, then the Lions again, and then the Ravens. I don't care how much the Ravens lost in the offseason, they still are the defending champs. So, literally, the Bears have, if you look at this schedule, they have zero Mickey Mouse games. Yeah. Yeah, they do. They've, they've, they got, they've got to prove themselves early. Early. They've got to prove themselves the weekly. Not just early, but weekly. Literally, the easiest game I potentially see on this schedule is in week number 13 against the Browns, and that's about it. Because we play. The Rams on November 24th, that's not going to be an easy game. <laughs> Literally, easiest game on the Bears' schedule is likely not to be easy itself, and that's the Browns on December 15th. We do not have a Mickey Mouse game on this schedule at all. Mm-mm. So it'll be a lot for, for Coach Trustin to prove. It'll be a lot. Now, with one of the. We've got some we've got some new rules. We've got some new rules. And of course one of my favorite players might be an exception to the rule, but these hits to the knees, the rejection, hits in the strike zone. I mean, what what is this gonna do for the defensive side of the game? As as you mentioned before when we were talking just via the chat privately, you sort of feel like the defense is now left out on their own island to kind of wither away. Like, what are your thoughts with this, these changes going into this season, and also how do you see them affecting there? Well, I, I compare it directly to Jonathan Bostic being fined $21,000 for what most people thought was a good hit. These players don't know what they can and can't do. Uh, that hit is the way I swear everybody has been taught to hit since the time they were in peewee football. 
literally, the other problem is they tell you do not bend your head down and use the crown of your helmet. I'm sorry. You're going to bend your head down. It's just a natural thing. It just happens. Now, one of the things that I think they need to do is thank goodness this, this, the way they're looking at the knee hits is they're going to evaluate that all season. So for this season, it might not directly affect us on the the lower part of the strike zone, which is comparable to how the quarterbacks can already only be hit in a strike zone. They're making it a strike zone for the entire NFL. And it's not like the quarterbacks, with the exception of a few of them, who can run like your Michael Vicks and your Colin Kaepernick's and your RG3's, they, your average quarterback does not know how to change the, the size of their body to move. We're talking running backs. Imagine Reggie Bush or Maurice Jones-Drew trying to hit a strike zone on one of those two. Are you kidding me? It, it's a difference from trying to hit a strike <laughs> zone on Calvin Johnson and Larry Fitzgerald and 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 tall players like that. Yes, that strike zone is much bigger. Uh, but trying to hit the strike zone on Maurice Jones-Drew, if he balls up into a ball, he's been virtually turned himself into a bowling ball. Where is the strike zone? So literally someone made a comment this week on a national podcast that they would like to see if they change the rule rather than make it a rule that you can hit in a strike zone something to the effect of defensive player hit below the knee with malicious intent, basically leaving some judgment in the hands of the officials on the field. Because if you take judgment out of it, then that basically tells a defense what they can't do. Because there are times when all you can do is wrap up somebody from their ankles. There's literally now if you if you spear a person's knees, yeah, that should never happen. You don't want to end a person's career. And there are plenty of football players that say, Hit me in my head before you hit me in my knees. And they would say that over and over again because a knee injury is ending their career. A head injury, while they won't admit it, they get to play tomorrow. Or at least a week from two weeks from now. We hope. Right. Um, but that's my point. I agree. We're, we're gonna we're gonna have to see how, how this really factors in and, and affects the game this this coming season. We're gonna look at a lot of things that are gonna affect the, the style of play with many teams this season. So now, Mike, you've made it down. It's the two minute warning. So you have two minutes to sign us off. With your thoughts of the Bears, where they'll rank, and what you're looking to see this season. If you ask me where they'll rank, uh, if someone were to predict where the Bears will rank, they have a crystal ball because I have no idea. I personally believe they're going to be fighting for that third position. But I also believe in the division, they could win the division. It's no way of knowing without seeing them play on the field for the first few weeks. We will know and know soon. As far as a fan, I'm sick of seeing the Bears sitting at home in 
week 17 or week 18, however you want to put it, when the playoffs start. I'm sick of seeing that. Literally, what I want to see is us playing in the playoffs because the Baltimore Ravens have proved it, the Giants proved it twice, and the Packers proved it a, a few years ago. All it takes is getting there. Anything can happen. Once they get on a roll, anything can happen. The Giants beat the Patriots twice in the Super Bowl after barely getting in there. All right. Well, we are going to have to we're going to have to tune in and, and we're going to have to tune in and see. We are going to finish this all-day Bears conversation on our chat. I want to thank all that tuned in, and thank you, Mike, for showing your Bear Down Die Hard passion on the show. We'll put the link up on Twitter. Thanks, guys, for listening, and tune in next week when we talk all fantasy football. Have a great Sunday.